Hello, this is Ben Kitchings of the History Voyager. This episode is a very, very special presentation. Back in, I guess, September of 20, a, a man basically called me at very early in the morning, like one in the morning, my time. And he introduced himself and he told me a story that was pretty crazy. And I've never been physically woken from a dead sleep just by somebody telling me the story that he was telling me. And the story was about essentially that his place of work was lying to the media. They were lying to the community at large. And it was even more troubling to me because of what his job was. This is a man who works at a 911 center somewhere in America. I'm not going to say where. I'm not even really sure where, to be honest. I honestly don't even really know the man's name. Um, his name is not the name that he mentions in the, in the recording. I know that. Now, this was recorded back in early September of 20. I want to say some things that I know today that I didn't know back in 20, back in September of 20. Um, for one thing, the day before the pandemic, America had a homelessness crisis. There were 34 vacant structures per homeless person in this country. On March 13th, 2020, which for the purposes of this podcast is the day that I sort of think the was the last day of what I'll call the before time, because that was the day before the NBA closed up, which sort of signified to the rest of America that essentially we were about to enter a new condition. As the pandemic progressed, we ended up creating more and more homeless people. And, you know, so I would call around to different business owners, and I refer to that in my podcast in this episode here. So I would call around to different business owners or different people, and literally to a person, every single person except for this man, and then one person after him that I don't recall who it was, basically all of them said, yeah, I'm missing so-and-so. They're... they're they're missing. The lady upstairs is missing. The, you know, the half the deli is missing. In fact, I distinctly remember that it occurred to me that this was so common because at first they would just all sort of say it. Like they would all, you know, where is so-and-so? And then when I started asking the question, as you, if you go back in the podcast, you can actually hear me ask people overtly this question. And then they would go into more people. Now, to tell you the truth, history is not omniscient, as one of my professors used to say. So, I mean, we don't really know, or I don't really know, if this was a homelessness problem, or if there was more people that were affected by COVID-19 than, than we officially know about at the moment. I don't really know, but I do know that America had an epidemic of missing people. Um, and I also think 
that basically a whole lot of people might have, you know, gone back home, wherever home was, or moved in with somebody, or what have you. But I, I also think that that has a lot to do with the so-called labor shortage. I, I really wonder how many of these people honestly are too sick to work, or maybe they died, but, you know, they weren't diagnosed with COVID or weren't interpolated into the COVID, uh, COVID-19 death total or whatever. Um, and I, I do a podcast in the Spanish flu episodes called How Not to Die of the Spanish Flu, where I delve into ways in which people died probably from the Spanish flu, but they weren't in the official death total. And I, I really recommend to each and every single one of you that you maybe go back and listen to that episode and, and take a look at the worker shortage in this country and maybe some of the, you know, the official COVID death numbers, maybe with a more skeptical eye. Now, as I say in this podcast episode that I'm about to let you guys listen to, I'm not what anybody would consider a conspiracy theorist. None of my friends and none of my family would tell you that I was a, I'm a conspiracy theorist. I'm a very much of an evidence-based person. It's actually one of the reasons I don't actually believe in the lab leak theory, as I laid out with uh, theologian Dr. Jason Smith in the last episode that I released. Because I, I simply think there's too many realistic reasons that um, COVID is totally natural, or at least natural enough. Um, anyway, so this is a very old uh, episode. It dates back from September. But I want you guys to give it a listen. And as I tell you in the podcast episode, uh, quote, I want you to listen to every single word this man has to say because it's very important. And I'm very sorry that I didn't release it when it came out, but things happened and, you know, I basically, one thing led to another and it was essentially a pileup. But anyway, so let's take a trip back to September of the year 2020. This call is now being recorded. I'm here with Chris, who works at a 911 call center somewhere in America. And I want each and every one of you to pay very close attention to what this man has to say. Now, Chris, are you there? I'm here. Go ahead. Sorry, Ben. Okay. Chris, uh, before you launch into your super important story, please tell this audience how you physically woke me up at one thirty one morning. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So um, first off, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate the platform. Um, so basically, our first conversation that we had was kind of just about the impacts and effects that COVID-19 had um, just on my day-to-day -day, uh, working, like you said, in the uh, 911 call center. And we initially kind of just discussed how things were handled by admin staff and the employees like me. Um, but I think the first thing that kind of got your interest, if I can say that, is um, I was kind of just discussing how 
within the building that we work in, obviously there's several people that work in there. And when COVID had kind of come in full swing um, towards like March, basically when when things started kind of being taken more seriously around the country, uh, we were kind of faced with this issue of like, okay, well, there's so many people that work in this building within a very close proximity within each other. Um, we all share, you know, workspaces and materials and, you know, things like keyboards and mouses, obviously, hooked up to a computer. How do we... Um, how do we ensure the safety and the health of all these employees, which ultimately was a failure on the side of the admin staff that I work for. Uh, but one thing that I kind of suggested to you was the idea that if if one of the people that I work with in very close physical proximity with him gets ill or, you know, gets infected with COVID, there's a very high probability um, all of us are going to get sick. Like there's like a 90% chance all of us are going to get sick because, you know, like I said, we're all within very close proximity to each other. We we share materials. So there was no um, real good plan in place to uh, to make sure that the mandatory employee that I am and my, my coworkers were going to be kept safe. Okay, folks, did you hear that? There's a 90% chance that you could get COVID if you're not masked up in a very close proximity as in an office with an air conditioner or a school or just anything like that. Okay, uh, with that in mind, and let me just say again, that literally did physically wake me up like I've never been woken up in my life. Um, how may I help you? <laughs> well, yeah, I think one thing that kind of just interested me was um, when we had initially spoken, you were kind of looking for people uh, to come on the show here and kind of discuss how COVID has affected them and their day-to-day with their businesses, whatever it is that they may do. And I kind of just was looking for a platform to discuss my own experiences and how ill-prepared um, my immediate supervisors within the admin staff was when it came to keeping our center safe and clean. Um, now, I want to just obviously preface this, and a lot of people understand that clearly this was a very unprecedented issue that everybody was facing, um, but I feel like just the way things were handled, the way things are still handled, um, was very, I, I don't want to use the term unfair because I don't feel like that is good enough of a term to use. Um but they, just like on every turn, like, the ball was dropped. And for people like myself, you know, who's considered a mandatory employee, and, you know, I just want to be very clear and transparent with what I do. Uh, I'm a public safety dispatcher to a police department, and it's within a, a fairly large city in the United States. I obviously won't go into detail as to where I work at or, or who I work for, but, um, you know, you can imagine you call 911 in the middle of the night, somebody's breaking in your house, that information will come to us. We then dispatch law enforcement to your home to handle the situation or whatever it is that, that's going on there. So just to give full transparency, that is what I do. Okay. And, uh, okay, so fundamentally, this is a history podcast. And so I, I try to ask all my guests, 
um, when they became aware of COVID-19. So for you, I would imagine that was fairly early in the ball game or? Yeah. I mean, if, if we're talking about just me specifically, the first time I was reading about COVID was at the end of 2019. I think information was kind of coming out that like, Hey, this is, this is a thing that's going on in the world right now. But uh, I mean, quite honestly, I, if I'm, if my memory is correct, I don't really feel like it, at least I felt it wasn't brought to my attention that this was going to turn out to be the thing that it is now, obviously. Um, but yeah, I would say at the end of 2019 going into 2020, um, gone out of the country at the beginning of the year. And when I got back to the United States, um, it was kind of more apparent at that time that, hey, this is going to be a thing that we're, we're going to deal with. Okay. Um, okay. So let me ask, um, now you had told me in that initial phone call, again, that took place at one something in the morning, my time. You had said that the media in your local town, or I guess in your local county there, was pressuring your employer to provide them with evidence that you guys were safe from COVID-19. Uh, is, is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, and from my understanding, this is not unsimilar to how other agencies have kind of handled the situation, um, at least from what I've been told from other people that I work uh, or rather, I should say other people that I know work in the same field at different agencies. But for me specifically, basically what happened was, uh, so, so COVID was in full swing. Um, you know, the mandatory okay. shutdown had happened. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, okay. Sorry. I, I don't mean to interrupt your super important story, but again, this is my history bias kicking in. Uh, when we say COVID was in full swing, can you maybe put a month on that? Yeah, so I would say, I would say March, early March, when it was clear that, you know, the economy was going to be effectively shut down. Um, and, and this is okay. again speaking within North America. So the month of March. Okay, okay. So, and the, the media in your local situation, in your local area, uh, essentially, uh, pressured the powers that be to provide them with evidence that you and your coworkers or virus-free, okay? Correct, yeah. Correct. So basically what had happened was, um, you know, clearly first responders are mandatory employees, right? So we're not getting time off. We're, it's a 24-hour op- op- operation that's continuing um, with no hiccup, regardless of what's happening in the world. So, you know, despite the pandemic, we were still going to work as, as regular, uh, like everything was fine. Initially, masks, per the admin staff that I work for, masks were uh, not mandatory. It was optional if you wanted to wear one or not, and that was the only guideline that was in place initially. Um, as time went on through the month of March, um, like you had said, like I told you, the local news had basically approached uh, 
our center and our admin staff asking them, hey, you know, your employees are mandatory. What are you guys doing to ensure their safety? Um, so, and this is, again, a part where admin staff had completely dropped the ball as far as being good representatives of us. At that point in time, like I said, no guidelines were taking place. There was no way that we could really separate ourselves, work in separate rooms or anything like that. Everything was exactly the same. The masks were optional. Now, like I said, the news had approached admin staff asking them, hey, what are you guys doing to keep your employees safe? And our admin staff kind of scrambled. Like, they want to be transparent with the news, right, like law enforcement mostly does. Uh, they want to be available to answer questions to the news because if they don't, if they make themselves unavailable, it looks like they're hiding something, right? That kind of goes right. for any any major, like, corporation around the world, essentially. So. Um, what happened was our admin staff basically built a fake mock-up of a workstation with plexiglass, um, like, barriers around each side. And they, they put one of our own admin staff in the seat behind the computer to make it look as if he was doing the job during regular work hours. And now I just want to say full disclosure again, uh, this particular admin staff, He's strictly admin staff. He doesn't know how to do the job, um, has never been trained to do the job. Quite frankly, I'm not even exactly sure what he does there, but uh, for that day, he got to play the role of a public safety dispatcher or call taker, whatever it was. And that was, okay. the, picture, that was the picture that was put in the paper um, right. to present that, hey, this is what's going on inside this building, which is completely false. So just to be clear, because, you know, just to be crystal clear here, your place of business, your place of work, I'm sorry, um, misrepresented to the local media that this yeah, is what you that this is okay. One hundred percent, yes. That this is what you're doing, this is what we're doing, and everybody's safe and everybody's cool. Alright. Um wow, wowzers. But that wasn't the case. Um now you had said to me, if I get this, if I get this wrong, please step in here. You had said to me that they provided you with a test. You took the, the COVID test and then they provided the results to the media. Is that correct? Instead of you. Yeah, so let me start from the beginning with that. Again, this was around the same time when they're putting out information to the media about um, you know, what, what the inside looks like, what it looks like for every employee having these safety measures with the plexiglass around the consoles, which, again, was false. So what had happened was roughly around that time, uh, we were all mandated to take the nasal COVID-19 test, right? So um, a, a company came in, they administered the test to every employee over, I believe, two or three days, Everybody was made sure to be tested. And we were told specifically by admin and specifically by this company, when your results come back, you personally will be emailed on your personal email, not your work email, but your personal email, you will be emailed your test results. Um, that's what was told of us. So took the test, uh, a couple days went by, 
no email. A week went by, no email. Essentially what happened was around the time that the picture was posted in the paper of the fake workstation, our admin staff basically had received all of our test results, and they provided that statistic to the news. Hey, this amount of people have tested negative. This amount of people have tested positive. We're still able to perform all the necessary job functions as normal, and everything's fine. So the problem with that, obviously, was I was never provided my I was never provided my test results to any email. They were provided to my employers, who then provided directly news. And whether that statistic was kind of stretched or not, I'm not exactly sure. But you know, clearly, when I told you that story, there's there's like huge issues with that, right? It's it's right. It has to be like that, a HIPAA law violation and so on and so forth. I'm pretty sure that might be. I don't. I'm not up on my HIPAA right this moment, but I'm pretty sure that might be. Yeah. Um. You had said something else. The the thing about how they didn't want to come in and fix the AC or I guess retrofit the air conditioner. Uh, for your uh, your building is that is that accurate? Yeah. So I mean, if we're just again, it's like there's there's things that you can kind of give a pass to, and then there's things that you kind of look at and wonder why they weren't handled properly. So in terms of like the circulation within a building, and and you know again, I want to be clear, it's a large building that that houses a lot of employees. Um, I'm not going to give okay. a specific number up, obviously, but. It's something that should have been considered, you know, like any any specific job, utility-wise or, you know, maintenance-wise, whatever, you know, the city would have to contract some sort of, you know, company to come and fix that. So if we're speaking specifically of, like, the circulation or the air conditioning in there, we would have to contract a company to come and fix that. Obviously, whenever COVID is, effective and everybody's kind of aware of what the deal is, you know, a lot of companies are either probably hesitant to do that or they're taking extra precautions. I don't know. Like, I would just imagine that that's the case. Um, but there was never any consideration of, hey, maybe we should fix this. Or maybe we should look into to doing something more than what we have. And that was just never – that was just never the case. There was no – consideration to get things like that result. Um, and again, that's just like one of many things that we've been talking about at this point that's, that's made me feel like just a body in a chair who can do a very specific job that not a lot of people can do. Um, but it's like you're kind of, you, you feel definitely like you're taking advantage of, you feel like you're taking for granted for. And yeah, it, and a lot of, and a lot of these things are very inexcusable. And I understand that like, you know, for your viewer base, I, I don't know if there's anybody out there that, that is in the same line of work or whatever, but I know that, you know, for what I do and for the people that do what I do, it really is kind of a thankless, like, it's a thankless job. You know, that's what I want to get across. And, and this is just another one of those scenarios where it's like, like I said, there's not a lot of people who can do this at a high level, you know, and I... I pride myself for being able to do the job at an extremely high level with the amount of stress that's involved. 
you know, and do it on a on a regular basis. Um, but yeah, it's just it was very disappointing and frustrating just to be viewed and treated kind of just like a, a body and chair, more or less. Yeah. Well, I mean, when I started this podcast in the middle of March, um, you know, it, it initially it was just going to be a, a straight up history podcast about the Spanish flu. And sure. one of the things, like, I just saw these parallels between like COVID-19 and the Spanish flu and how it was being handled. And, but one of the things that I've done with this, you know, talking to folks all over the country, basically, is I'm getting a real good sense that this thing hit local governments all over the place, flat-footed, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely flat-footed. And I don't want to say, like, I want to give your um, your place of work, like, a total pass, because I don't. But I, I kind of wonder, like, because I hear this over and over, like, uh, no one ever said this to me, right? But I kind of hear it, like, in what they're saying, which is essentially, why didn't the leadership do something different? You know, like, I feel like everybody was waiting for something else to happen, and the thing that was supposed to happen never happened. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, <laughs> kind of like I said towards the beginning, it's like, it is a very unprecedented issue. I, I completely understand that. But it's like, you know, we're in the month of, as we're recording this now, it's September of 2020, right? So it's like, we're well into the depths of what this thing is, and we kind of yeah, understand or, yeah, we well, think we are. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> absolutely. And it's just like, you know, we've had month after month after month of like, it's like I can tell, me personally came up with a better plan in place to work than what admin staff, a, a group of people who who run this center were able to. And it's like, and I'm able to do that because like I'm out there doing it every day and like i'm i'm physically putting myself through this and you know like I, i'm not gonna I, you and i talked about this previously it's like i'm not gonna question the severity of um of the pandemic itself right because obviously you and i know that there's a lot of people who for whatever reasons that they have they they feel like this is like a large hoax right they feel like COVID is just kind of like this doctored you know, government thing for whatever reason. And, like, it's not up to me to, like, to make those decisions, like, whether or not everybody should believe in this or how they should be handling safety precautions. But it's, like, me personally and for all my coworkers that are in this building, you know, there just wasn't, like, like you said, everybody just kind of refused to act first. It's just like let's see how the rest of America, let's see how the rest of the world reacts, and we'll we'll base our actions off that. Yeah, yeah, and it's really unfortunate. It, it, it is, absolutely, yeah. it absolutely is. And I'll say this: really? like um, I, one thing that I wanted to put out is that for those people that are listening to this and maybe wondering. There absolutely were people that I worked within 
we're talking like a very close proximity. People that I sit directly next to, maybe three or four feet, there yeah. are people that have tested positive for COVID-19 in our center that I work with. Yeah. They were they were completely fine one day. The next day they weren't feeling well. They went to their, you know, healthcare physician, whatever. They got tested for COVID-19. They tested positive. They were gone for two weeks. They came back. They were fine. Life went on. Yeah. There were numerous people that I work with that tested positive for COVID-19. None of them, to my knowledge, had any, you know, major effects while they were sick. Um, you know, no family members or, or friends or anything like that that I'm aware of that that died because of COVID. But it's like, um, why would anybody want to take that chance? You know what I mean? Like, if if this guy who sits directly next to me gets test positive for COVID, and and like I said, we're sharing all these workspaces and materials. Why isn't there? Why isn't there concern that? myself and this person and this person are going to get sick as well. Like that just wasn't a concern. And maybe in like several years, you know, obviously when we look back, assuming that like COVID doesn't last several years, um, you know, we'll look back and we'll think like, Hey, this is what we could have done differently. If we ever face something like this in the future, um, you know, we'll, we'll have this reference to look back at and we can, you know, act upon that. But it's like, like I said, we've had so much time at this point that there just hasn't really been any good plan in place to really help keep the safety of myself and my coworkers. And I know that goes for a lot of businesses. I'm not the only one. Like when you and I initially talked, that there were other people that you talked to that had similar stories. One of the things that... I wanted to ask you, and I, I think I asked you this earlier. Um, I, like I said, I, I talk with people from all walks of life, all different professions, all over the country. And one thing I keep hearing about that is really disturbing, and also something right out of 1918, like literally, actually right out of 1918 is I keep hearing about missing people, like missing coworkers or missing neighbors or anything. You know what I'm saying? Like things like that. Um, has anybody just not come back in? You know, you know, that's actually kind of interesting you bring that up. And so I'm, and I'm not suggesting that you're kind of going in this direction, but I don't want to make this statement sound as like, um, sci-fi-ish or anything like that, but I, I know specifically there there was one coworker that I had who the story is kind of unclear, and I, and I think you and I did touch on this a little bit. My understanding of the situation is a little unclear, so I don't want to speak with full um, understanding, but there was somebody that had, I believe, like a roommate who tested positive for COVID. So this employee of mine took time off to ensure that she didn't get it as well. Long story short, for whatever reason, that coworker just never came back. And I tried to get in touch with them to see what the deal was because I was just like kind of curious as to what the situation was. And I just never was able to get in touch with them again. Like I reached out. I, I tried to 
like shoot them an email or something like that. But yeah. I don't know if it was just an issue with their like they exhausted their sick leave. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I guess that's kind of a case of what you're talking about. I, I mean, like modern history, a modern historian, right, is something that try somebody who tries to use uh, evidence based. Um, so to be a historian now, right? you have to have an understanding of lots of other disciplines and you have to be able to use evidence to to piece together a narrative. And I'm not a conspiracy theorist at all. And if, if you were to talk to my friends and my family, they would pretty much tell you that, you know, I'm nowhere close to a conspiracy theorist at all. Sure. But I'm, I'm sorry. I, I hear from people all over the country like literally all over the country, from sea to shining sea. And they all tell me, every single one of them, and you're actually the first person that I actually asked, you know, that I actually, you know, point blank asked you, right? Are you miss? are there any missing coworkers or what are missing neighbors or whatever? Because everybody has said, you know, so-and-so upstairs is gone or, you know, suddenly the deli is missing half its staff or yeah. whatever. I mean, I'm sorry. There's just a narrative that, I, that I'm beginning to see where, like, one of the side effects of having employer-based health care is that people are literally scared to go to the doctor. You know, not to get too political here or whatever. I'm just saying. No, I think we all we all understand what you're trying to say here, and and you know I, I think one of the early conversations that you and I had over the phone was suggesting you know a lot of people are are scared that if they are sick or they do get sick that they're going to get either let go or they're going to get furloughed, and so then where's the income beyond that? So there's a lot of right. people that are concerned of like how am I going to how am I going to get paid? You know if if I get sick, which like I 100% get that, um, but I, I guess that's that's one of the things that I didn't understand with this with this particular employee that I just mentioned that kind of just went away. Um, you know, one thing I one thing that kind of goes through my head every day when I'm thinking about how disappointed I am with what's going on in my center specifically. One thing that always circles back is I can't fucking imagine trying to find a job like another job in this economy right now you know what I mean like with everything that's going on it's like it's as, yeah. as unhappy as I can be with what's happening and as disappointed as I am with admin staff it's like this is not the time to like <laughs> to be looking for a job you know well the thing that the thing like you were saying the thing that I go back to is like you're not even thinking about you, right? You're not even thinking about the people you work around. You're thinking about, is the building super? Is he on board? You know, yeah. you're thinking about, um, do, does the building have the, the funds or whatever to, to retrofit the AC? And the thing that, the thing that gets me over and over and over again is, how different this world is going to be like in 2022 or 2021. You know, like, I'm not going to put a day on it, 
But at some point, this is going to become like, at some point, this is going to become like cholera or whatever. And what I mean by that is the the place I went, the town I, I got my master's degree in was hit really hard by cholera, like in the 50s, okay, in the 1950s. And you could still meet old people who remembered what cholera was like, you know, and, and they, even as an old person, knew what the symptoms of cholera were, right? And that's what I mean. At some point, this is going to be like, oh, well, that's the symptom of COVID-19. So everybody knows that, or hopefully everybody knows it or whatever. Yeah, but, absolutely. And I think about, I think about that a lot too. Just, just little basic human interactions, like, like something as small as, you know, shaking somebody's hand when you're introduced for the first time. I think about that and how like, maybe that won't be the standard American greeting in the future, you know? Like, right. like we just won't have that kind of interaction or, you know, I think, I think a lot of people are seeing it now. Um, a lot of companies are starting to realize like we don't need to have physical business spaces. All our employees can work from home, you know, like yeah. a lot, a lot of, you know, real estate are seeing that the commercial aspect is not coming. It, it might not come back the way that it was. Um, exactly. So I think about that a lot too. I mean, and, I mean, to me, like, I don't know. I mean, but was there anything else you wanted to say? Um, I, You know what? I think I just, I was able to put everything out there like, like you and I had, had spoken about. Um, I just want to kind of reiterate again, like, like we've said so many times, and kind of what we're talking about right now is, you know, it's a, it's an unprecedented time and there, and there will be a time in the future, you know, where we're telling our grandkids or our great grandkids like, Hey, this is what it was like in 2020. Like things were very different six months before and then everything kind of just shut down. And, um, yeah, I, I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to come out here and talk. Like obviously it's, it's a little unfortunate that I'm not able to be a little more personal by giving you know, the exact location that I work at and things like that. But obviously, like, I'm sure everybody kind of understands it's it's sensitive material that yeah, I don't want to get, I, like, you know, I, I, com- I completely understand, by the way, completely. Um, and I also want you to understand that you're helping, you're saving lives by you coming on this show and by you talking to me and putting it out there you're saving lives man and thank you thank you so much um i know you're a busy man um but the one thing i i do want to ask you is um i mean to me that just seems it seems horrible that your place of work would would play with your life like that, especially being as it literally is an essential. I mean, it, yeah, that's a thing people say, but you know, it literally is an essential fabric in our society to be able to call nine one one and have somebody answer. It is, and let me just 
you know, I want to say this. What what were to happen if, you know, the pandemic was a lot more rampant through our center? And let's say that, you know, 90-plus percent of us did get sick and weren't able to be at work for, you know, two, three, four weeks, whatever it is may be. You know, what's going to happen, you know, when, when larger cities don't have the staffing for when, you know, people call in on 911, they're on hold for, yeah. you know, 15, 20, 25 minutes, and, like, your house is getting broken into or, you know, you're seeing, like, an active, you know, anything, like a, a stabbing or something like that. Like, there's, right. those instances are going to happen. And I just, it's unfortunate that, like, there isn't more emphasis placed on the, you know, the physical health and, like, aside from that, like, the mental health of, you know, of public safety workers that, that doesn't really get brought up. And, uh, you know, it's yeah. something that you and I talked about early on that I, I kind of want to mention again is, you know, we discussed how, you know, the standards for the hiring process for a lot of agencies around the country, for America specifically, have diminished, you know, because they want to get there's a there's a national shortage. I don't I don't know if that's common information, but there's a national shortage of public safety for for law enforcement, for you know paramedics, things like that around the country. And you know I don't have to remind you like the the political climate and and things that are going on with law enforcement in America right now. And you know whether or not you are pro or anti police, you know that's not really the issue here that we're talking about. But I kind of just want to remind people like like I said this. The standards for for hiring and for getting people in the door have considerably dropped. And nine one one, yeah, go ahead. I mean, nine one one also goes to the fire department. It goes to lots of things. Absolutely, you know? yeah. And you know, <laughs> just imagine, like, just imagine there's somebody over the phone that's trying to give you like CPR instructions, or somebody over the phone is trying to you know direct you to to do whatever it is that it may be. You know, would you want somebody who has, like, tenured experience? Or, you know, do you want somebody with, like, kind of a sketchy background that wasn't as trained as well as they could be? And, you know, it's unfortunate, but, like, that's really what's happening right now. And so it it made even less sense to me to take the, the employees that you have now that are above average. And it's like you're kind of, you're playing with fire a little bit. Like, you you just didn't really... You didn't really do anything to ensure the safety of us. You know, that's really what it comes down to. Yeah, I mean, right on. Um, my heart goes out to you, buddy. It, I can't even imagine what that must feel like. I mean, to to have a to have a a workplace that just that. I mean, it's evident that they just see you as a, a cog in a machine, and and they honestly, without telling you, they really don't care if you were just a, I guess, fallout sick or or whatever. Yeah, um, it is. It is really unfortunate, but you know, it's it's kind of just like, honestly, and this is neither here nor there. But personally, if I'm speaking just for myself, that's why, like, I don't live and die by what I do, and and by that I mean like. Yes, I, I work for a a police department in the United States, and again, I'll, I'll say it like I know what that means in 2020 with everything that's going on. But I don't want—I never want anybody to get the idea that that's who represents me 100%. And I'm not here to say that I'm anti-police. You know, like 
I, I think that there's there's considerations that that go into what you do when it comes to working within law enforcement. Absolutely, and I'm very aware of the criticisms that are going around in the country for for numerous law enforcement agencies. Um, but at the same time, I'll say like again, what I do does not represent me 100%, and the people that I work for do not represent me 100%. Like. You know, I'm an individual, and this is a job that I took knowing what it was I was going to do. But at the end of the day, like, I am my own person, um, and I don't rely on these people for anything. And quite frankly, if I'm being honest, um, especially now, uh, they need me more than I need them, to be quite frank. All right. Um, well, I ask every single guest that comes on the podcast, um, I guess to wrap up, I ask every single guest that comes on the podcast, is there anything that you'd like to tell the internet? Um, and, uh, well, most people that I have don't have quite the story you do. And I'm sorry sure. if that feels a little light, but. No, not at all. I, I um, think, um, I think just for what I do and for what I see on a daily basis, it's just like, be human beings, you know, be civil with each other. And for God's sake, like, wear a fucking mask right now. Like, it, it literally costs you nothing to wear a mask when you're going out to a grocery store or whatever it is. It doesn't take away any of your your liberties, you know? Like, and hey, if, if you really want to make a case that you have, like, medical conditions that, you know, mandate you to not wear a mask, then have somebody else fucking go to the store for you. Like, don't be that person. I'm really sick of seeing on the Internet of, like, you yeah. know, there's this person that freaked out because, it, like, we're done seeing that. Like, you're not, you're not making any revolutionary statement by saying you're not going to wear a mask. You know, like, we're going through a time right now. Like, just be, just be a human being and be civil with, you know, we're all brothers and sisters. That's what it comes down to. You and me both, buddy. Um, all right. Um, okay. Well. This has been Ben Kitchings of the History Voyager, and I hope that each and every one of you out there listen to every single word this gentleman had to say because, I mean, that's really important. And uh, just hang on while I unhook the recording, okay? <laughs>